We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, the Bulls have won the first game of the season for the first time since 2016. They have a winning record for the first time since March of 2017. And it kind of feels like a loss after that game because it was so ugly. (laughs) Bulls beat the Pistons 94 to 88. For you know, season opening win, it was not a pretty game, Jason. From the very start of this game, it was no. incredibly ugly. The ball movement that defined the Bulls' offense in the preseason was nowhere to be found. It was a relatively rough debut for DeMar DeRozan, his first time in the Bulls' uniform. It was you know a pretty spotty game for Nikola Vucevic as well. But Zach Levine, 34 points on 11-17 shooting. He really wills the Bulls into it in the second half. And the Bulls are able to uh, close out a win here. So they didn't play great. They were going against one of the worst teams in the league in the Pistons who didn't have their number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, in the lineup. And this was a game I really expected the Bulls to come out and like win by 20, basically. But uh, it didn't happen. It was a pretty sloppy physical game from the very start. Bulls never really found a rhythm, but they still won. So credit the Bulls for getting this dub. It was a game they absolutely had to win. If they would have lost this game, it would have felt devastating, even though it's only, you know, the first game of the season. But Bulls get oh, yeah. it done, man. 94-88, starting the season 1-0. Yeah, so obviously, like, a lot of people in Chicago excited about what's going on with this Bulls team, a lot of hype. So we've talked about the skepticism, and obviously a lot of the talk was, you know, this – the offense is going to be great. They got a lot of talent here, but the defense will be bad. The defense was good in preseason. And then to come out, the Bulls scored 14 points in the first quarter. They were just tricking away like every single layup you can imagine. Uh, like layups just like not even touching the rim, like just throwing it off the backboard. I was also super mad about the officiating in the first half because I didn't think the Bulls were getting the benefit of any calls going to the basket. So I thought that played kind of a role. But I mean, still, you're just, you're brick and free throw, you're brick and layups. 
not taking any three pointers, some ugly, ugly turnovers. You mentioned like the ball movement wasn't really there. They only had 18 assists in this game, 18 assists, 17 turnovers. That is not a good ratio to have. Uh, but like the defense was great. I know some of that is the Pistons being the Pistons and no Cade Cunningham. Their best player right now is Jeremy Grant, who's a really nice player. He had 24 points, eight of 20 shooting, but I mean, they're limited. They have a bunch of just like young athletic guys. Like they're starting backcourt today is Killian Hayes, Frank Jackson. Your guy Killian Hayes, 0.06 shooting in 20 minutes. Uh, they just got like a lot of the athletic dudes who like, can't really shoot, which is kind of like the Bulls do. So I think that played part of it. So this was just a grinded out. You said physical game. The refs were letting a lot go against the Bulls. I thought this, they got a spotty whistle, like I said. But uh, I mean, I guess just going to Zach Levine was awesome. He, again, he started a bit slow, but that third quarter, he was finally just like enough. Enough is enough here. Like this offense, I, I'm going to take control of this offense. 15 points in the third quarter to finally get the thing, get them going a bit. Uh, he had 34 on 11 of 17 for the game. I mean, he took, he took, he was tied with DeRozan for the second amount of shots. Vucevic was seven of 21. He missed a ton of bunnies. Uh, I feel like most of the, most nights will want to see Zach probably leading the team in scoring. I know we've talked about how we want to see them have an offense that is nice and balanced, but I'd like to see Zach get a bit, get a bit more shots when he's at, as, as efficient as he is, especially in crunch time. I think we saw their crunch time offense, definitely a bit of a work in progress. We saw DeRozan with the ball a lot. And that's something we talked about. That was, that was one of the concerns. Like, will their crunch time offense be a lot of just like my, your turn, my turn with Zach and DeRozan? We saw DeRozan have the ball a lot. Wasn't the prettiest. But they got enough stops. We saw this really good defense from a lot of these guys. Lonzo was everywhere. Crusoe was everywhere. Patrick Williams didn't do much all game, but he had a really nice stop late recovering uh, on Jeremy Grant after it looked like Grant was going to get a good look. So while it was ugly and really just like it was brutal watch. You mentioned how we thought the Bulls were going to win this game by a lot. Our, on our preview podcast, we were like, Bulls minus three or four or whatever, like hammer it. Like they're going to easily cover it. They were losing for most of this game and uh, they really sweated out. I know some betters uh, at the end there, the Pistons had a basket that was waved off that would have really screwed over some people. That would have been a brutal beat for some, but uh, they ended up winning by six. So they ended up covering basically all the lines there. Uh, So yeah, I mean, overall, just like it is, it's great to win to be over 500 again. First time in four years, they're over 500 is great. Feel a little icky about it, considering just how ugly it looked. But they, we know we've seen them lose these games so many times in past years. To, to pull it out, to get the big defensive stops late, was at least nice to do that to get to one and zero on the season. Yeah, I expected this team's preseason performance to carry over, and maybe that was foolish of me. I thought that the preseason would be a little more meaningful, given how many minutes most of the Bull starters played uh, together. They were like all among the top 15 guys in the league in terms of minutes played. But the competition level was pretty bad in the preseason. They weren't going against other starting units. They weren't going against a lot of good teams. So I was hoping that, like, uh, sort of the way they were moving the ball with such purpose in the preseason would carry over to this opener, and that really didn't happen, man. I think that they just didn't have very good offensive process. I would say that was the biggest problem in them only scoring 94 points. Only 23 three-pointers they attempted. Not enough. That's that's just not enough. <laughs> yeah, the ball just wasn't moving. It did feel like a little bit of a your-turn-my-turn turn system. I thought some of Lonzo's shortcomings as a half-court creator really showed in this game when Zach wasn't on the floor or when the ball was in Lonzo's hands in terms of him initiating the offense. Like He's just not someone who's really going to break down the dribble. And one thing we heard during training camp and media day was that Lonzo was going to play more like a traditional point guard. 
I'm not sure we really saw that today for an extended period of time, but when we did see it in flashes, it wasn't super encouraging. Now, Lonzo still brought a lot else to the table. His defensive activity was really good. He hit a clutch three late from the corner, uh, almost had another one from like really deep that would have been a dagger that just rimmed out. It was like halfway down. But in general, I thought it was a, a solid debut for Lonzo. Like I'd probably give him, I don't know, a B minus for that debut. Maybe that's even a little generous. DeRozan, I'd I'd give him marks even lower than that. I thought that DeRozan finishing the night 8 of 17 for 17 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. He did have 3 steals, but I thought he got burned defensively repeatedly in this game. Uh, he was able to like get his hands on some loose balls. He did have one really big play. I think, was that after he hit the three-pointer, he had a recovery and he got a steal? That was like the one like really nice play defensively he had. But yeah, Absolutely. go ahead. I was going to bring that up. But in general, what disappointed me most about this DeRozan debut is that it didn't seem like there was a lot of synergy with Zach. Like, pretty much all of the skeptics of the DeRozan DeRozan acquisition said, well, you know, wouldn't you rather have the ball in Zach's hands in crunch time? And, you know, we saw it in game one. I was screaming at the TV (laughs) to put the ball in Zach's hands. He was killing it. In the third quarter, Billy doesn't bring him in until like seven minutes left in the game. I think he even waited like, you know, a minute of game time or a minute and a half until there was a dead ball and he could actually check in. And DeRozan was cannibalizing those possessions once Zach got back in. uh, Really, Zach had like one field goal, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, and then a few free throws to ice it. So I would have loved to see more Zach in crunch time. Now, we know that Zach hasn't been great in crunch time over the last couple of years, and uh, what I was hoping for was like uh, offense defined by more ball movement instead of just letting one guy cook. But with that being said, it was frustrating to see Levine get frozen out a little bit in crunch time because Jace, he's clearly the best player on the team, right? Zach Levine looked awesome in this game, finishes yeah. the night 11 to 17 from the floor, one of five from three only, but 11, 11 from the foul line, seven boards, four assists, a steal, a block, two turnovers, but he ends the night with 34 points and uh, the Bulls don't win this game without him. I think that watching this game, like, dude, Zach Levine might average 30 points a game this year, right? Like even in a game where it felt like he didn't get nearly enough shot attempts, uh, he still put up 34 points and a, a pretty crazy line. And consider this, Jace, uh, Nikola Vucevic, 21 shots tonight, DeRozan, 17 shots, and Zach got 17 shots. So, you know, you figure you want Zach to be leading the offense most nights. And tonight he did it out of just sheer and raw efficiency, right? Like it's not like the bulls were repeatedly going to him. I would like to see the ball end up in his hands a little bit more often, but uh, man, Levine was awesome when he did touch the rock tonight and just another super dynamic scoring performance out of him. Yeah. I mean, he just scores so effortlessly. And when he gets going, I mean, I guess that third quarter uh, when he just really kind of turned the game around for the Bulls, uh, scoring easily, aggressive, driving the basket, getting on transition. He had that nice dunk uh, and just the the mid-range shots. We would like to see him shoot a few more threes. I know he was only one of five today. missed a few good looks. Uh, I mean, we know he's a guy who usually gets up eight, nine three-pointers a game. I mean, the Bulls just didn't take that many threes in general this game. Like you said, the offense was just kind of – Kind of disjointed, yeah. Comet Levine can't save us every night like that. He's the that, the reason they brought in the talent like this is that he shouldn't have to save them like that every night. Like, the, like with Vucevic, just and then we kind of saw this in the preseason as well at times with Vucevic. He was just missing a lot of shots that 
he normally makes. He was missing so many bunnies around the basket. Like I didn't. There were a few like ugly post up shots that I didn't love from Vooch, but for the most part, like I thought he got a bunch of good looks that he just botched. Uh, I mean, Zach and Vooch had a really nice two man game going at times. That kind of got them going. I believe that was in the second quarter that they started to heat up a bit there, just pick and roll, getting Vooch open for some easy jumpers, getting Zach free a little bit. Uh, that was nice, but. I mean, Vooch isn't going to shoot 7 to 21 all the time. Like, like I said, he missed a ton of shots around the rim. I mean, even DeRozan, I, these guys, they blew a bunch of layups. It was insane. Uh, but, yeah, like in general, like Zach just seems like he's ready to take it to another level. I thought he played pretty well defensively this game. I know he got burned. He got burned early in the game. I can't remember who drove right past him. But in general, I thought he played pretty well. He had that really nice block of a three-pointer. was mostly keeping guys in front of him. He had a steal as well. So I mean, just an overall really strong two-way game from Zach in 35 minutes. And Billy left him on the bench for a while in the fourth quarter. I kept waiting. Like I thought he left him in an extra possession too long. I didn't. I did not love Billy's rotations tonight and i think we'll talk about this in a bit with the bench but uh i mean i know he doesn't want to overplay zach too much zach played 35 minutes lonzo played 33 the bulls were actually a plus 17 in lonzo's 33 minutes i think some of that was a function of the bench just really kind of struggling but vooch played 36 derosa played 38 i believe you tweeted about this didn't derosa play like the first 15 minutes of this game like he had like the luol dang stint right so i uh i deleted that because someone reminded me that he checked out for 90 seconds in the first oh, okay. quarter, right, and then right. Vucevic got the technical. They pulled Vooch yeah. and they put him back in. But yeah, it seemed like DeRozan didn't come off the court for a while, and I thought the Bulls' offense really sort of took off when DeRozan did get off the floor. My answer for everything at the start of the season, Jason, when the Bulls are in a rut, is more Javante. And Javante Green only played 15 minutes. He was a minus eight on the floor, but I thought he did give the Bulls just like uh, some good energy. I thought that without DeRozan on the floor, the ball moved a little bit more freely. So, yeah, I uh, I think that in general, this was a pretty frustrating game. But, you know, credit the Bulls for getting the W. And, uh, you know, I, what do you think of Vucevic's defense? Because obviously Vucevic's defense is going to be one of the key things to watch this year. Uh, he's not really known as a rim protector, but he is a smart positional defender. I thought his defense was a pretty mixed bag in this game. There were some moments where I thought he could have been a lot tougher defensively on the interior. I know the Bulls are hoping that their forwards can provide some supplemental rim protection along the baseline for Vooch, but uh, in general, I didn't love what I saw out of Vooch on either end of the floor today. Yeah, I know. Like Isaiah Stewart had a really nice game against him, kind of took advantage of him down low. Uh, so what did Stewart end up having here? He only had 12 points, but I mean, the, the, Pist- uh, the Pistons did have some success inside. I think they had 50 points in the paint, something like that. There were times where they were clearly uh, uh, targeting Vooch. I mean, that, that's just going to be a thing. Uh, athletic teams, and especially teams with good guards, they're going to go after him. I and mean, The Bulls will mostly drop with him. He, I mean, he can't really play much. He can't play like aggressive defense. So, like, I think that I think mixed bag is like what we can hope for, and then you hope again that their perimeter defenders and that Pat there as well that you, that they just make up for it. And the bench, the bench has obviously some uh, has some athletic guys, and we saw the bench play some solid defense. The offense was not very obviously not good, and again we'll talk about that in a bit. But I, I, I think mixed bag is like the kindest way to put it. He tries, uh, he's okay. He just can't really move that much, and he, it's not like he's like athletic and have and has like a really long wingspan. So like. Teams are going to go after him. Uh, the Bulls are just going to have to make up for it with team defense, with their aggressiveness, with their guards and wings. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I guess we should probably switch it to the rotations now. So yeah. the main thing that jumps out to me is the stunning amount of Io DeSumo in this game. I did not expect yeah. Io to be in the rotation to start no. the season. And to be frank, he might not have been if Troy Brown didn't pick up three fouls in his first four minutes. Troy Brown did not come in again after that first stint. And then Billy Donovan went to Io DeSumo. Io's performance uh, had a couple highlights, Roller coaster. but also some really <laughs> rough moments. Uh, the first moment that jumps out to me is him spotting up wide open from the corner. Pass hits him in the hands and he just drops it. That's just total rookie <laughs> first game nerves right there. But there was a stretch where Io got a layup in transition. The Bulls got a steal. Io got another layup. So back-to-back layups in the span of like eight seconds or something had a good look from three. I would have taken off my shirt and started yelling if he would have knocked it down, but he bricked that one. Uh, so in general, uh, he did make one later. He did make a big one in the fourth. So I'll give him that. It was definitely just a, a roller coaster ride for him because he, he also botched an easy layup. Uh, you mentioned that turnover. Uh, he, I, I called him Chris Dunn 2.0 because I mean, that three point shot is not pretty, but I mean, he is, he played, I played hard defensively. He was kind of around the ball a lot. He scored seven of the 10 bulls bench points. So like, it'll be interesting to see how much he plays. Like I would guess Troy Brown is probably going to be ahead of him in the rotation, but he like said Troy Brown had three fouls in like four minutes. He looked, he didn't do anything besides that. Billy did say that he's dealing with some mouth issue. So it seems like he's been a bit more a bit ineffective. And I think that's why Billy did go to IO for a bit longer. Again, I think he's played. I think he kept him out there a little too long because there was, I think, I think the bulls are either up one or like down one. They go, they get a timeout. And then it's it was DeRozan with the bench, and that DeRozan with the bench lineup. I I guess we haven't even said it yet. We we saw the value of Kobe White in this game. That bench unit lacked scoring, lacked shooting, whatever you want to call it. Because it was like DeRozan, Io, Caruso, Javante, Alize Johnson. I mean, that's just that's just hard to score uh, effectively with that lineup out there. And Billy called the timeout, and then he stayed with that lineup one possession longer. There was an awful, I think, Caruso turnover, and then on the other end. Pistons score. Io had a bad foul for an and one, and it was just like, he like said, we saw kind of what they can do defensively, and this was something we talked about coming into the season. We knew their bench after their like top five, six guys, especially with Kobe out, the bench does not have many shooters, uh, and that's why. Like, I mean, maybe is this a situation where we'll see like a Matt Thomas get some minutes because like those Dero- or maybe we see maybe we'll see we'll just see uh, Billy change up the staggering because again, DeRozan with those with those bench guys is just. 
like not a recipe for much success. It's just, it's just not good enough offensively, even if they'd made some plays yeah, defensively. Yeah, I think you need to pair DeRozan with Vucevic. And then with Zach, you could have Vucevic off the floor and you can have DeRozan off the floor. But I would like to see, you know, if you're going to have bench units, give me DeRozan and Vucevic as anchors, if you can possibly swing that. What's up with Derek Jones? Why didn't Derek Jones get me around in this game? I don't know. No, he didn't, he didn't play. Brad, Alizé played over Bradley, and Alizé was, I mean, fine, I guess. He had no points. Yeah, he didn't look that yeah. good. Yeah. He looked better in the preseason. Yeah, two, he had two turno- no points, four rebounds, two turnovers, three fouls in 12 minutes, missed both shots, minus seven. Not good. So, I mean, maybe that was just a matchup thing. I know Alizé looked better in the preseason. Bradley did not look good in that last preseason game, but I do wonder if maybe next game we'll see more Bradley, especially going against a Pelicans team with Jonas Valanciunas at center. Uh, I could probably see them play Tony Bradley getting more minutes on on uh, Friday. Okay, as far as the bench is concerned, I don't really want to see Io again. Like, <laughs> that, that's just my takeaway from this first game. I would like to see Troy Brown have a little bit longer leash. Obviously, it's tough when he picks up three quick fouls as soon as he enters the game. I would like to see more Derek Jones Jr. So, yeah, give me – and then, you know, I like Javante too. So, we know that Caruso is going to play. He played 27 minutes in this game. He's going to play a ton for this game. And uh, I thought, yeah. again, Caruso picked up five fouls. Uh, I got a text from Kevin from Dennis Podman that said Caruso is used to getting away with his fouling because he played for the Lakers and on the same team as LeBron. So, he yeah. is ridiculously aggressive so defensively, like but, insane. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was funny. Make sure you're subscribed to Dennis Podman, Kevin's Bulls podcast as well, if you enjoy ours. And I thought Caruso was awesome, though. He was super physical, super aggressive, as you said. Uh, but he's just a really stout defensive presence out there. And he was making things happen even when he wasn't forcing turnovers. Like, he was just getting uh, his hands on the ball a lot. He was blowing up pick-and-roll actions. So I loved what I saw out of Caruso. I do think his offense is pretty weak, though. Like, one thing... Yeah, he had some bad turnovers and some bad shot attempts. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't really have much bend as a ball handler. And yeah, yeah his three-point shot I also don't really trust in terms of him in a pure spacing role. What I do like about him is him in transition. I think that his open floor playmaking is pretty impressive, and obviously he's able to like finish with highlight reel dunks when he gets in the open floor as well. But Caruso in general is going to be a big piece on this team. Love his defense, love his aggression. I think that it was a, a great signing to get him. But, you know, I was wondering before this this season, I think he averaged six points a game last year. I was like, well, if Caruso's going to be playing like almost 30 minutes a night, can he give the Bulls 10 points a game? Uh, this was not an encouraging debut for can Alex Caruso no. average 10 points a game, only three points and one of five shooting tonight. Uh, he's going to have better nights offensively. I think the nice thing is his skill set is so defense first that defense is going to travel. Even when he's having a rough night offensively, he still impacted this game in a positive way today because you know you could count on him defensively. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, they missed Kobe White tonight. Kobe White would have been a nice addition given uh, how poorly the rest of the offense looks. So uh, the latest on Kobe, Jason, you can correct me from here, but uh, I think he's going to be out for basically another month before he's going to be reevaluated. So hopefully he can get back on the floor at least before the new year and, uh, you know, start to work his way back because I don't think he's going to be an immediate impact player coming off a serious shoulder injury, but I do think Kobe White could be in for a big year by the time we get to the all-star break and into the postseason. 
he could really be an injection of instant offense for the Bulls, which, as we saw tonight, this team might be able to use. Yeah, I think the Kobe, I think Caruso duo off the bench could be really fucking awesome, honestly. Uh, I, was, I mean, we saw, you mentioned what Caruso, just his defense. I know I don't want to use single game plus minus. Caruso was minus 11. I thought he was way better than that. Obviously, his def- he had four steals, two blocks. I mean, he was just everywhere defensively. And I think we saw them down the stretch. We saw them go to that lineup we talked about for the, uh, for most of crunch time with the f- four, four big guys and then Caruso in place of Pat. We did see Pat get that last defensive stop, uh, because I think they wanted to get somebody bigger on Jeremy Grant because Caruso was the one trying to guard Jeremy Grant. That's Grant obviously has got some size on him, but, uh, and we saw they played great defensively down the stretch. I mean, they were Lonzo and Caruso are everywhere defensively and they make, they help make up for DeRozan and Vucevic being there. And like Zach played pretty well defensively as well. So, but yeah, I think DeRozan or not DeRozan, uh, Caruso and Kobe could, could be an absolutely awesome bench duo. Uh, yeah, I think the bottom line is just we saw the value that Kobe White has on this team. We've questioned like maybe we've questioned like what his like long term future is with this team with the, with the Bulls. Not totally sure on this specific Bulls team. Kobe White has a clear role and a clear value to this team. And uh, I know we've talked about. I mean, maybe they look to trade him. Maybe they look to trade him for someone a more proven player. But uh, whenever he comes back, and hopefully he works his way back soon enough, like. He's going to be an important piece on this team because they need his bench scoring for sure. I would be down to bring anyone up if anyone wants to uh, say a few words about the game. Uh, just uh, Here, we'll, we'll address this comment for Uncle Sally McGoober about Pat, Patrick Williams. I guess we haven't really talked about Pat much because I mean, he didn't really do anything. And I guess this was kind of the issue last season as well. And obviously he missed, he missed all his time. Uh, he only played the one last preseason game, but I mean, this is kind of just more of the same. He had six points, one rebound, like no other stats, no assists, no steals, no blocks, two fouls, 28 minutes. He had the nice cut for his basket in the first quarter. Uh, but he was just kind of mostly invisible. I mentioned the nice defensive recovery he made on Jeremy Grant late, but I mean, he's, we're just going to need to see more impact out of him. Like, I'm very curious. Like, I'm assuming he's going to have somewhat of a leash here with the starters, but I mean, maybe I wonder, uh, as Uncle Stanley McGoober says, you know, I want, will they maybe go to Javante in the starting lineup and like bring Pat off the bench maybe to get another guy with a little more offensive juice? I mean, what do you – I'm not sure. I don't think Billy's going to do that like right away, but I wonder if it is something that they'll do, if, especially with Kobe out, with that second unit that needs a bit more punch. And we, we know they gave Pat some more playmaking opportunities and scoring opportunities in summer league, so maybe they try to – Maybe they switch some stuff around there, get him either either bring him off the bench or get him more opportunities with the second unit. Because uh, with that starting group, he just is kind of invisible. <laughs> yeah, the ball just didn't really find him. And yeah. I think that was a byproduct of the Bulls not really having good ball movement in general in this game. It's not like the Bulls are going to be like running stuff for Patrick Williams with DeRozan, Vucevic, Levine on the floor, especially when he's playing with the starters. But you would think that those guys are going to attract so much defensive attention Pat should get some wide open corner threes. He should be able to attack some closeouts. And the ball just didn't really seem to find him in this game. You mentioned his first bucket was on a really nice cut. He also missed a mid-range shot in this game. I remember him taking. We know that he liked the mid-range shot last year. Uh, as I said, I'm always in favor of more Javante, baby. But I, I, I do <laughs> like the idea of sticking with Pat as the starter. In terms of closing games, Like you have no obligation to Pat to close games with him pull him no, off the floor right. it's gonna be Caruso I think for the most part yeah and then you know Pat did come in for like specific possessions as you mentioned he helped get a nice stop on Jeremy Grant on one of the Pistons final possessions so uh 
Yeah, I I love the idea of more Javante. I would probably like to see the Bulls just like stagger their lineups a little bit quicker. I thought that uh, they left DeRozan on the floor a little bit too long. So in general, uh, I thought pretty pretty quiet game for Pat, but. Uh, you know, for him, his biggest point of emphasis, I think, is going to be protecting the rim. Like, they basically have DeRozan, yeah. or I'm sorry, they basically have Vucevic just trying to, like, take up space and not really challenge shots vertically. So I think that you need to get Vucevic-Pat minutes together so they can kind of work on their defensive cohesion and communication because you're going to need Pat to run that baseline and try to, like, wipe away guys who do get past Vucevic or when, uh, you know, the other team swings the ball, gets an open look at the rim. That's going to be Pat on the weak side rotation, who's going to be expected to put a lid on the bucket. So I think that's why you got to like keep putting him out there. It's less about his offensive production, which I think is, is only going to come in the flow yeah. of the offense. But uh, defensively, he has a pretty heavy burden on his shoulders, and uh, you know it's going to be a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. I would just like to see him at least get a few more opportunities offensively, and if that's putting him with the with the bench guys a bit more, even if you're still starting him uh, there, I think they're Billy's done. We, and we said it before the season that he was going to have, that he's going to have some work to do with these rotations, figuring out what works best. Like you mentioned today, like I think Zach subbed out first. DeRozan was playing a lot with the bench. Like, I wonder if maybe they'll have Zach more with the bench. Uh, they try stuff like that. You mentioned you'd like to see DeRozan t- paired up with Vucevic more just to get a little more pop, get a little more shooting. I would say maybe you try Pat with these, uh, with the bench more. It will do- definitely be interesting to see how, how Billy uh, figures all that kind of stuff out. Um, anything else Anything else stand out to you from well, this I mean, game? I was just going to look ahead. I mean, you got the Pelicans on Friday without yeah. Zion. They got smoked today by Philly 117.97. So, I mean, that should be a win for the Bulls. And then you're home against the Pistons. On Saturday, that is on a back-to-back, but it's like hopefully they look better against this Detroit team on Saturday. I guess we still don't know if Cade's going to be in the lineup. Uh, your fourth game is at Toronto, but Toronto got, they they got awesome. smoked by the Wizards today. And then you got the Knicks for the fifth game of the year. Bulls-Knicks, fifth game of the year. Uh, next Thursday, that's going to be super fun on October 28th. But, dude, the Bulls should start 4-0. And I expect the Bulls to start 4-0. This is a veteran team. We got Vucevic, we got DeRozan, who are on the other side of 30. Uh, Lonzo's a young veteran. You got Caruso, who's in the prime of his career at 27. Zach, firmly in the prime of his career, looking like he could make a run at all NBA this season. Uh, Bulls, start 4-0. Like, this game sucked tonight. They played like shit, and they still won. So, uh it was sort of a discouraging game, in my opinion, just because I thought that DeRozan looked kind of shitty. In Vucevic, it was like, <laughs> um, he's got to have better offensive nights than this. But still, They just missed so many shots. I need to put, find if they have these stats of how many shots they missed at the rim. I think in the first half, it was something like 7 of 20, which is just ridiculous. Again, I did think they got screwed a bit on some drives to the basket. Uh, like Zach got hammered a few. I know Zach took 11 free throws. A bunch of those were were late uh, icing the game. But, I mean, DeRozan took two free throws, missed both of them. And he I thought he got fouled multiple times. Vucevic got teed. He took no free throws. I know he doesn't take many but in general, but he took zero free throws. He got teed up, I think, because he was pissed and the no call. So, like, but, and, I mean, you got to make these layups. Like, you're shooting all these shots around the rim. You can't be just getting no, getting no rim on these layups. Finish your layups. I'm pulling it up right now. Hold on. This shot plot. Shot zone, whatever. So let's see. They were 20 of 46 
Uh, looks like kind of a right around the basket, not exactly the rim. Hold on, let me get basic. All right, here we go. They were they were 16 of 37 from the restricted area. That is awful. The league average that's 43 percent. League average is 60 percent. So like on a, on average, you're probably usually making six or seven more shots, and that's 12 points. Uh, and if you make more layups like that, you win the game going away. Obviously, a lot of stuff evens out. The Pistons were only 6 of 28 from three. I don't think the Pistons are going to be a good three-point shooting team. So that's probably something a bit more more normal. When you go 16 of 37 at the rim, that is absolutely abysmal. And I think that's something that will ultimately even out over the course of the season. Zach's a good finisher. Luch is better than he showed tonight. DeRozan is a better finisher than he showed tonight. So hopefully that kind of stuff will... Uh, this was just a bad game in terms of that stuff. Okay. Uh, that's about it for me. Uh, yep. If there's anything else you want to talk about, otherwise... I don't think so. I mean, you mentioned the Knicks. The Knicks won an absolutely insane game tonight in double overtime, 138-134. They they almost totally, totally blew that blew it like uh, in the last final minutes. Kemba had some awful turnovers. Jalen Brown had 46 points and a ridiculous three. But the, the Knicks pulled it out. Going crazy at the at the garden. That'll be. Did you say that game is at home or in New York for the Bulls? Uh, let's see. That game is at home Thursday night. Damn, I want to go to that game Thursday. You said that's Thursday night. That should be a TNT Bulls game. Fuckers, those schedule makers really screwing us there. But yeah, that should be. That'll be the first real like marquee game for this Bulls team. A little bit of hype for it. The Raptors one will be interesting. I mean, obviously all these. All these games, they got they got to win. But uh, oh, the no, the Noah game. I think they they might be honoring Joakim Noah for, during that Knicks game. Uh, so that's yeah, that'll be really exciting. That'll be a nice measuring stick game. Obviously, Bulls go four zero. If the Bulls are four zero going into that Knicks game, obviously I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. They got to take care of business. But that'd be really nice. Four zero going into that Knicks game. A little bit of hype going. Uh, the Knicks should be a pretty good team. They're one of the teams the Bulls will be fighting with this season. They got a huge win tonight. Big games from Julius Randle and Evan Fournier. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be exciting, uh, and we'll see. But first, take care of business against the Pelicans, beat the Pistons again, beat the Raptors, and then we'll see. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything else either, Ricky. Any Anybody else have any other comments? Anybody else want to come up and ha- have, have a comment and speak? Otherwise, we'll probably wrap it up here. Uh, Ricky, you have anything else? Are you good? And- I'm good. You're good. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, as always, for listening. We haven't done one of these in a while. It was fun to fun to be back, fun for the Bulls to be playing meaningful games again. Obviously, to be 1-0, you said first time they've been uh, won their season over in five years. First time they've been over 500 since March 2017, the, th- the three alphas era. Now they got to keep it going. Go win these games. Go, go 4-0. Uh, and, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. With the season starting, check out all those great pods across the Blue Wire Network, all that good stuff. This pod, if you want to go listen to it later, uh, this pod should be up probably overnight sometimes. So go check it out wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Please give us those five-star ratings on Apple. Let us know how we're doing. Give us comments. Give us feedback on Twitter as well. We're always excited to hear from you guys. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. And also, I believe we will be getting a new intro pretty soon here for, for Cash Considerations. I think it's, I'm think i not sure if it's going to be on this pod, but I think uh, or if it is, we'll see if it is on this one, whatever. Uh, but it'll, I think it should be on the next one. So we will have a new intro coming soon, so Lowry Markman is will be out of it. So uh, we will talk to you guys next time. I said Bulls got a couple games this weekend. We'll probably be back sometime next early next week. Talk to you guys next time. Take it easy.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.